And welcome back to a tall glass of podcast. It's nice talking and, and, and communicating out to the masses and saying hello to everybody. We, we've been away for a while. It's been a little bit of a hiatus. I'm, of course, Mike, as joined by always by Jim. Jim, how you doing? Merry Christmas, buddy. It's coming Merry up. Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy and, uh, holidays. It's great seeing you for Thanksgiving, but I won't see you for, for Christmas, so... Hope, yeah. Uh, hope That's our Uber okay. driver had a good, good Thanksgiving. <laughs> Listen, we're not going <laughs> to has a good Christmas. Wherever you are out there, we're not going to get. He's probably a listener. Lee, um, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, his name is Lee. Uh, I mean, Jimmy. Very Hill, private but, man. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to talk yeah. to us. In fact, uh, no matter how hard Michael pressed the issue, the man was. He thought about getting. He could have been. He could have been uh, a guard at uh, Buckingham Palace, man. That guy was. Stone cold. Let me tell you something. He's definitely not a guard at Buckingham Palace. I, I will say that much. But uh, as far <laughs> as his qualifications, but as far <laughs> as how much he talked, yes, he didn't want to want to talk. And I think Uber drivers do have a. Um, I think they should. I think that's part of what their job is: is to sort of be a little bit. I think social. they should take on the you know, the vibe of their customer. Yes, be a chameleon and adapt to every situation. Right. If their customer right. says nothing, maybe they shut the fuck up. If the customer wants to talk, you, you think, you know, you're you're a contractor. You, you want to get a good tip. Yeah. Uh, he did not hey. receive a good tip for his he, and he didn't behavior, deserve, quite frankly. Um, but uh, we were in the right. That's what's important here. Well, listen, I believe that the time I was, and I was definitely in a different mental state at the time, uh, I had a couple yeah. of years, I thought peyote. I was in the right, but now that I am sober, I still think that I was in the right, so. Yeah, double do? down. That's right. Like Trump always says, double down. Now, folks out there, we have a special, very special episode near and dear to my heart. What we're going to be talking about today is conspiracy theories. Now, hold on, hold on. Before you click off, I know there's a lot of other podcasts out there that speak to conspiracy theories, and maybe we're a little bit tired of hearing it. Every time you turn on the news, it's Alex Jones this and QAnon that, and I can understand we're getting hammered with conspiracy theories. And I think most of the public fall into a couple of different categories, right, Jim? Either you believe in conspiracy theories and you just feel powerless against them, so you just you're like, whatever, I'm just going to keep living my life right mm -hmm. or you dabble a little bit but like anything past like baseline the government's corrupt you don't want to get involved in you don't think it has any merit it's just crackpot tinfoil heads out there spouting their beliefs and we want this to be an episode for both for both types right for each end of the spectrum we're going to break it down for you, and uh, we're going to talk about kind of our favorite conspiracy theories. Jim has one in mind. I have one in mind, and I think we're going to, by the end of this episode, my hope is that listeners at home, you you hear it, and uh, it maybe makes you think, because I do believe that um, it's important to be curious, and it's important to have your own thoughts, but, you know, to be curious about the world that we live in, the government that 
is supposed to be working for us. Um, and that includes yeah. local and governments abroad. Jim? I think, yeah, I think when you're talking about the different types of people, you got to have a degree of skepticism. And that goes both ways. You should have a degree of skepticism about like what the agreed upon, you know, mainstream narrative is of something, but also have a degree, that same degree of skepticism when it comes to some far flung, very complex conspiracy theory. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people will either want to commit to one or the other when like anything, usually the, uh, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Perfectly so, you know, conspiracy theory is defined as some secret but influential organization is responsible for an event or phenomenon, not what we kind of associate conspiracy theories in 2022 with of wild and out there and completely baseless um, claims. People tend to make that jump that all conspiracy theories are, you know, insane the Denver airport is a, you know, Nazi bunker camp. Yeah. When that's more just a crazy, I mean, I guess you could consider it conspiracy because someone would be like organizing that. Sure. But there are conspiracy theories that are, are proven to have been true. There was a conspiring that occurred amongst human beings that was looking to deceive the true nature of what they were looking to accomplish or manufacture an event um, for a, desired outcome so yeah um yeah i think that that distinction is important and uh and, yeah the one that i want to go ahead well real real quick i just have one more thing i want to say and and i just want to a real quick quote if i could quote i can say categorically that this investigation indicates that no one on this white house staff no one in this administration presently employed was involved in this very bizarre incident what really hurts in matters of this sort is not the fact that they occur because overzealous people and campaigns do things that are wrong. What really hurts is if you try to cover it up. That was President Richard Nixon when being asked <laughs> about the Watergate scandal, which at one point was called the Watergate conspiracy. But as we know now, it is no conspiracy. This It oh, is a conspiracy. This is yeah. 100% true, and it did happen. Jim? Tell us about what you want to tell us about. Yeah. So my, <clears throat> my example that I want to discuss is like the idea of the deep state conspiracy. And I think um, for those of you who have not heard of that word, you know, to, to reference Alex Jones, he, he uses the term a lot. And I know Alex Jones has a reputation for um, extremely polarizing and, and baseless claims, very conspiracy driven guy. But uh, the idea of the deep state is essentially something that um, looks to draw a conclusion that people that work in the national security, um, State Department, any type of uh, large federal government and governmental entity, a lot of those bureaucrats are actually lifelong um, careerists that are more concerned about keeping their source and access to power than they are about the actual goals of said department. And that leads them to do things that are not in the best interest of the American people or, you know, American foreign policy, let's say, but more in the best interest of keeping 
the money flowing to where they can profit off of or keeping them in power over the long term. Um, and I don't know, Mike, have you ever heard of, flip the page here, Purnell's Iron Law of Bureaucracy? No, never. So this man, this man said, this is not tied to a conspiracy theory, but it kind of brings things together. Sure. In any bureaucracy, the people devoted to the benefit of the bureaucracy itself always get in control. And those dedicated to the goals that the bureaucracy is supposed to accomplish have less and less influence and sometimes are eliminated entirely. Yeah. And that's I mean, yeah. essentially the concept behind what people call the deep state, this entity, this body of government that is more devoted to staying in power than solving the issues of the day in the best interest of the American people. Um, sure. And like you said, those who seek to, um, what was the second part of that quote? Those who are sometimes eliminated are those who seek to yeah, so it would be like the antithesis of the deep state. If, if you subscribe to the idea of a deep state, right. the antithesis to that would be someone who joined, let's say, the military to, like most people that joined, they thought they bought into like the propaganda around, you know, our, our current war of the day and wanted to go fight America's enemies to protect our freedoms and, you know, protect our families. That's like what the military exists for, right? Right. In theory, typically speaking, according to Purnell's Iron Law of Bureaucracy, those are not the people that advance long term in right. the bureaucracy that is like the federal government or the military. It's the people that are more adept at playing the game and within the matrix of a large organization sure. and are more for the advancement of long term, you know, use the forever war concept instead of let's try to get in and out of Afghanistan and win the war and three years, that's not the best for business and long-term employment right. in the military. Let's stay there forever. Right. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to use an example of, I think a lot of this people, I mean, the deep state is a conspiracy theory now. Is it true or not? That's, I'll leave that up to the the listener. If they sure. That there is sure. A, you know, true deep state. Um, I think a lot of the, if we rewind the clock and we go back to uh, the post-World War II time period, one, access to information was just nowhere near what it was today, right? Like the average person and the amount of data and information that exists due to the internet and just technological advancements wasn't there. So it was easier for governments to put on a facade of like, things are going great or the war was won with, you know, zero war crimes committed where Vietnam happens and like everything is Everyone's out there in the open. The American yeah. people are seeing, you know, like yep. what really happens firsthand. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff coming out of world war two um, that even, you know, Dwight Eisenhower warned of in his farewell speech as president talking about the military industrial complex, which is basically the idea that, you know, these, these large companies like North of Grumman or um, Lockheed Martin, Lockheed Martin. Um, Raytheon, Raytheon. You know, they, Raytheon mm -hmm. they're multi, multi-billion dollar companies that um, essentially propagate, they make weapon systems for the military, but they also can lobby effectively Congress to keep their business going, which is war. 
Um, so even Dwight Eisenhower, you know, hero of World War II and, and very well um, received president warned of that complex occurring. And I think at the same time of that, you have, you know, the, the CIA is, is being born out of, um, you know, the Intel entity before the CIA that was like very active during World War II when information wasn't as readily available. You have the Cold War standing up. You have a lot of things going on in American government and bureaucracy and people in power feel very emboldened because of their standing amongst the American people and our like dominance in the world to get pretty risky with their decision-making. Um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Basically, I think that they had a little bit of like a God complex. Like if we could win the war, we could win two back-to-back world wars. You know, what's the limit of what we can do and, and how much can we manipulate and control things? So there's a long way of backing into Operation Northwoods. So Operation Northwoods was a false flag operation in 1962. Mike, do you know what a false flag operation is? Now, I do listen to Alex Jones, Jim, so of course, <laughs> I know what a fucking false flag, he, he talks about them all the time. Now, at the time, they weren't calling these things false flag. I don't know if that was, was that official in the documents? So I feel like that's a new, relatively new term yeah. for yeah. what they were talking about doing. But a false flag um operation from what i understand is um an operation or a, an event perpetrated by i guess somebody in control to i'm gonna i hope i don't mess this definition up but to sort of um it's a it's perpetrated by the people who want to garner support from the masses from the public and aim that it's a desired target. You it's quite often used. That. Yeah, it's quite often used as a as a propagation to get or like a as a jumping off point to begin a war. So if, if America feels like tensions are leading up, tensions are rising with China, but American public isn't quite ready to go to war with China, false flag would be the United States you know, this is a random one, but bombing its own military base, blaming it on China, telling the American people it was China. And then that is, you know, the the baseline by which we can get the American people on our side to fight China. Right. That sounds like insanity, right? That sounds like something that the Soviet I don't know this Union day and would age, do. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. You know, um, yeah. but it happened or not that it happened, but it was planned. I mean, many false flags have happened in history, but this one, Operation Northwoods, was a false flag planned in 1962. It was signed off by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which is the senior most active duty military member. Um, now, Jim, can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Because when I was, when I, when I, because uh, I've looked at uh, Northwoods before, what is the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Who is the Joint Chiefs of Staff? So each branch of the military has a most senior four-star general. So the Marine Corps, it's called the Commandant of the Marine Corps. Okay. In the Navy, it's called the Chief of Naval Operations. That's what you were. Army Chief of Staff. Yeah, that's right. I was the, I was the <laughs> CNO. A couple years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the, the Joint Chiefs of Staff is the service head, each representative from each branch, okay? Gotcha. And then the chairman is the... It's on like a rotating, it's not specific to an individual 
service and like it's always an army guy it, it rotates okay. between but he's he's the like the chairman of a board of directors let's say at a company they're all gotcha. they're all on the board but gotcha. one is the chair of the board right so the chairman is the highest ranking military member reports directly to um the secretary of defense and the president of the united states okay these are like the best of the best of the best of the best or so that's what they're supposed well, to that's be. what it's supposed to be yeah well yeah or they Go could ahead. be the most according to Purnell, they could be the most adept at operating <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> right. depends right. what uh yeah yeah you, yeah. Know. you would like to think though every joint chief it is his iron law you would think that they started out as a lowly officer or they as a, or as a some of them uh, even started on the enlisted side as an yep. enlisted guy you think you would think but go ahead jim Joint yeah Jesus. i mean you think when you spend 40 50 years in the military to get to that point there's a degree of institutionalization that occurs even in five years for me it occurred so someone that did it for that long they're a true believer in the cause now is that cause the advancement of the bureaucracy or you know right. the advancement of the goals of the u.s military do they even know the difference anymore at that point right once you've right. been there that long go ahead I'm, I'm sure a lot do but you, you know it's very possible you can get someone who doesn't so okay the proposal in operation northwoods called for the cia operatives to both stage and actually commit acts of violent terrorism against american military and civilian targets, blaming them on the Cuban government and using it to justify a war against Cuba. So Cuba was getting pretty cozy with Soviet Union, the height of the Cold War, right around mm -hmm. the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And mm -hmm. we want a reason to essentially invade Cuba before the Soviets are too, you know, they got their hooks in. Well, they're a little so, close to us. They're like 100 miles away from Florida. <laughs> so, I mean, I yeah. get it. They're a little close for comfort. I mean, we back up our, our weapons to eight miles from the Russian border. So we can't really, really. <laughs> erroneous. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And so some of the things that they were planning were assassination of Cuban, of Cuban immigrants. So Cubans that fled and made it to our country, uh, sinking Cuban refugee boats, hijacking civilian planes. Um, that so, was, you know, you're flying. Yeah. That one's an interesting. And, uh, yep. Yeah, uh, blowing up a U.S. warship and orchestrating violent terrorism in U.S. cities. I don't know if that would be like a bomb or shooting, um, yeah. but general just terrorism. So. Somebody wrote, this on, that, piece, somebody wrote this on a piece of paper. This was laid it. out. Because this was the 60s, signed. 70s. Somebody wrote this. Like this and is it a was good signed. Idea. I'm going to present yeah. this to, to, to uh, someone who's in charge. And I'm going to write yeah. this out. And I think so this the is chairman. Chair, believe it or not, the chairman, it got all the way up to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which means either it was his idea or if it wasn't his idea, it got through so, like if I had an idea as a captain, for me to even get that idea to a random colonel yeah. in my chain of command, probably 15 to 20 sets of eyes would have had to look at it and approve it. So if it got to the chairman, again, it was either his idea or like want someone on the chip, the joint chiefs staff or someone low, low, but it, it made it through. And no one wants to be like, who the fuck is this? What the hell are you talking about? No There's no Snowden, if you will, you know, to be right, like, right. Hey, hold on, hold on. Yeah, right, 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 right. So everyone's on board. Like I said, I think there's just such a degree of hubris at the time. Now, again, I don't even think can, in can 2022, like military leaders would be so bold 
to propose and I, that. And if I you know? jump back, you mentioned mostly Cuban refugees. Um, but I believe too, there was also a plan to detonate explosives in Miami, which I think that's a little um and blame not it for on, sure. And blame it on Cuban refugees. But my point is some of these plans could have affected the lives of American citizens. Absolutely. They were not the primary target, but it was like a collateral damage type of thing. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That's important. Very important. And I think it's important when you talked about that hijacking of a plane, because, you know, I definitely believe that 9-11, I just want to go on record and say that the official story of 9-11 is what I do believe. But when people start clamoring and clamoring and saying they knew that was going to happen, that was all planned, and you're like, what, you crazy lunatic, uh, false flag, conspiracy theorist, what are you talking about? They would never do something like that. Well, they did have yep. a plan back for it in the 70s to do the same exact thing, maybe not flying mm-hmm. into a building. I think they wanted to do Northwood. They wanted to do some like hostage negotiation stuff or I don't know. Yeah, whatever yeah they were going to like essentially take it over. But they were talking yeah, about how and- a plane. Yeah, and and you're right, right? Like, because for decades, and really, I mean, in the history of mankind, governments have deceived and, you know, uh, manipulated facts. It's created such a degree of skepticism and people feeling like, yeah, that it it laid the foundation for you know, these stretch conspiracies that are, you know, completely baseless, but you're right. People can point and say, oh, really? Because they were trying to do it 50 yeah. years, you know, 40 right. years prior. They declassified. Yeah. So anyway, so the chairman brings it to the secretary of defense. I couldn't really figure out based off research if the secretary of defense was in agreement, but he definitely wasn't in disagreement because it still got to John F. Kennedy. Okay, That's right. president. Jack Kennedy apparently took one look at this idea. <laughs> it was like, fuck, not only no, but fuck no. And you're fired and fired the chairman on the spot. This is the most okay. egregious plan I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Yeah, fired him and, on the spot. Uh, I fired him on the spot, demoted him really to another job, basically, Um you know, Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, I think, was his demotion, which is still a pretty important fucking job for someone right. who wanted to. Was it was it McNamara who was the? No, was I didn't it? recognize the name. I didn't even okay. write it down. It wasn't McNamara. That's fine. Um, I forget what his position was. Yeah, I was. It wasn't like a household. Gotcha. So, gotcha. um, and I'm gonna take it down a little bit of a tangent here, but. We're just getting to the good part here. I know. I know. <laughs> no, that's fine. Go ahead. Deal with your tangent, dude. Follow this is 1962. And 1963, JFK gave a commencement address at American Military University. I've read it. I don't know if you've ever seen anything about this speech. I've listened to it. It's a pretty famous speech because he essentially advocates for peace and diplomacy and a lot of people that believe in the conspiracy theory that JFK was assassinated by the deep state, like the, the government, um, was they point to that speech as being and, and him denying Operation Northwoods mm-hmm. 
as a as a catalyst for the deep state deciding, look, we got to get this guy out of here. He's not. He's trying to do right. his own thing, and that's not how we operate. Um, and like I said, Eisenhower warned in his farewell address about the military industrial complex, which is kind of its own, you know, for those who believe in the deep state is its own branch of the deep state. It's a very oh, incestuous sure. relationship between the people that work in the government and military and the people who work in the defense contracting sector. Um, a lot of people I know went straight to, you know, these companies to work, which there sh probably should be laws <laughs> to stop that. But, you know, I mean, yeah. Um, so I know you wanted to talk a little bit before we started recording about Operation Mongoose, but I will just kind of pause there and that's, go ahead. Well, no, no, no. I, I, I you can keep going. I mean, I, I know that, uh, well, you know, Mongoose was kind of a, was kind of a, um, a prelude before Northwood right? Mongoose was, we need to take out uh, Fidel Castro, which is weird because I've also heard we helped him get into power. I'm not sure why he sided with communism, but I'm sure there's some reason for it. I don't know the whole ins and outs of it, but I do know that Operation Mongoose was like, we got to take out Fidel Castro. And the ideas, we talk about the ideas proposed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff for Operation Northwood, and we're like, what the, who thought of this stuff? These guys are supposed to be academy graduates. Like, who, where, where do they come up with this stuff? Yeah. And then you look at Mongoose, and you're like, who? Now we're gone way off. They wanted to take out Fidel Castro, who was very tough to take out, and they were like, let's let's send him exploding cigars. That was what <laughs> that was one of the. I mean, this is a Benny Hill sketch. They wanted to. Uh, drop estrogen into his water supply so that he lost his hair and he and grew boobs so that he wouldn't be a he wouldn't be like this manly like figure yeah. of the revolution right because that's what he was they wanted to train one of these is all operation mongoose they wanted to train one of his ex-lovers to go back and seduce him and murder him mid-coitus these were some of the plans and again it sounds like a fucking a Saturday morning cartoon. Like who, again, these are the best and brightest of the military. Who's coming up with these plans and how, again, are they getting up to, to the point where they name an operation after it? You know what I mean? Like, they're like, we're going to call this operation mongoose. And no matter what they tried, they couldn't get them that way. Cause that was supposed to be kind of on the hush hush. We're going to, whatever, they're going to do this on the lowdown. We'll take them out. And they couldn't. And I think that's when they realized the public was not going to ever be behind them unless they had a reason to be. And I think that's where Project Northwood came from, was the mm -hmm. fact that Operation Mongoose failed. They could not get rid of the guy. They wanted to, uh, and they wanted to install, as America often does, they wanted to install somebody who would be sympathetic to the West. That's worked and, out really uh, well. Yeah. And that's, hey, listen, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast, but um, – <laughs> It's just, uh, you listen to the, one of them was they were going to, here's another one. This is, uh, this is declassified. They were going to scuba dive onto one of Fidel Castro's favorite beaches and plant mines that look like seashells. You get it? So he'll, he'll think it's a seashell and then he'll Pick explode. He'll, he'll blow up. I mean, between that and the exploding cigars, you've, you've got them. But, uh, I mean, these ideas, you, you, I mean, you can't, you can't believe it.
but uh, again, I mean, they really it's value to be thinking yeah. outside of the box. I have heard of some military operations where they did some crazy, okay, insane thing. Like they needed to get a vehicle that typically was traveling at a ridiculous speed to stop, and they knew if they did like a roadblock or something, it would immediately cause them to, you know, bring up their bring up their guns like immediately. So they had like a guy, like this was like a Delta Force operator, like dressed in like an ape suit <laughs> and like stand in the road. So they like stopped, but they didn't like immediately shoot him on sight. So there's like value in right. this, like you know, would just you? insane yeah. it's ideas. Like I don't, but it's that's like, lower level than like assassinating, well, you know. Yeah, it's like Cuban the flea president. flicker. It's the flea flicker of diplomacy. That's right. Where you're like, I'm just gonna toss it back and throw it to the quarterback. See what they, we'll see what happens. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's fucking wild. Yeah, and I do, you know, I want to make my opinions, I guess, clear on, on this topic. So having spent nine years in the Department of Defense, granted, not at the levels that we're talking here, and never having stepped foot in the Pentagon. That's what he says. Um, as, yeah, That's what he has to I, say. I truly believe that the vast majority of people, like the overwhelming majority of people that join the military, do it for the right reasons. And... Um, even the ones who become the type that are just whether they know it or not like we talked about can they even distinguish between what's better for the bureaucracy and what's better for the goals of the bureaucracy even the people who struggle with that in their head they've convinced themselves that what they're doing is right and mm -hmm. just and moral mm -hmm. so they're going to continue on and then there's a very very small percentage of people. And unfortunately, they tend to rise to the highest degrees in corporation, in politics, in government that are just complete psychopaths. Sure. And they don't feel, and because to live a life that you have to live to get to that point, generally speaking, the kind of person that's willing to do that is not your average guy that's going to, or gal that's going to, you know, clock out at the end of the day, grab a beer, relax. Something drives them so deep that they use the folks that either are there for the right reasons or can't mm. distinguish between the right reasons and what's good for the bureaucracy, almost as like useful idiots, if you will. And that's a very small percentage of people. So I think it's printing with a broad brush to say the deep state is like the Pentagon. When really, the deep state may just be a very small, but very influential and powerful group of people right. that are neither there for the right reasons, nor too dumb to see the difference between, not too dumb, too blind to see the difference between the two. And those are the kind of people that would plan and present an Operation Northwoods, and then when denied... Would potentially assassinate the president over it. Right, right. Fucking or psychopaths. At least get rid of all his security and then they don't have they don't think the way normal people think. And they don't yeah. act the way. And in some ways that's great. And in some ways that's you know what could lead them to propose or execute things that are inconceivable to you and me. Um and absolutely and in, in this country uh execute things that are against the public's wishes public's interest and what the public wants um which 
I guess is not as bad as doing things that are inhumane and immoral and whatnot, but uh, you would like to think that those two things yeah. align. But uh, And the question yeah. is, got one more quote, but the question is, good. are these psychos, are they, which camp do they fall in? Are they in the, they have no feelings and they're purely acting in 100% self-interest to the point where they'd be willing to cause massive war famine and damage to and, and death or or are they so convicted in their belief that they are right and just and moral that they'll the ends justify the means that's a great question. Um, like, yeah, I mean, and another good question is, um, and does it matter and which one's worse? So that's my other, that's a good question. Like if you are so immoral, if you are just this man, a person of seemingly no conscious, all Genghis Khan wanted to do was conquest. He didn't care. There burn villages, pave the way, take over everything and everybody. He also he had no much, illusions about what he was doing was right. He moral. also he also pretty much founded Asia. So like yeah. what at what point do you say, hey, this let's let this guy go for a little bit and let's see where he takes all of us. Let's all grab onto his coattails <laughs> and ride this horse all the way to the top. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They, they get stuff done. It's hard to deny. If there is a deep state, it's getting stuff done. All right, last quote. This is from C.S. Lewis. <laughs> it ties it in. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons and under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their conscience. Mm. Mm-hmm. Lewis, did he write, what did he write? He's a lot of like uh, Christian, like new age Christian writings about like relationship with God and like kind of goes against traditional Catholicism or Christianity. For some reason, I thought he wrote Alice in Wonderland, but that's a completely different guy. No. That's you. That's somebody else. Never mind. No. Whoops. No. Well, it's complicated. And, and I guess I lied when I said I got one more quote because I will contradict everything I said with um, one last quote fucking conspiracy <laughs> and that that last quote is it's called hanlon's razor okay. never attribute to malice yes that which is clearly explained by stupidity or incompetence yeah and clearly operation northwoods is truly the former it's 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 malice it's yes it is a full-blown conspiracy yep 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 but there's plenty of other conspiracies 
or theories of conspiracy that can just be explained by stupidity or incompetence. Well, Jim, I'm glad you said that, okay? Because I've got one for you. I got a doozy for you. That's, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I believe it's a little bit of malice and I believe it's a little bit of stupidity. And folks at home, you probably just heard Jimmy talking about the deep state and you think to yourself, so what the fuck am I supposed to do? If we've got the whole military behind this conspiracy, we've got whatever, robber barons and the military industrial complex. There's nothing I could do against them. I'm going to tell you a little smaller conspiracy, uh, a story of a local conspiracy that uh, one person did pretty much fight to uncover. Our story starts August 23rd, 1987. Okay, in a little state called Arkansas, maybe you've heard of it. At around midnight, two boys, Kevin Ives and Don Henry, decide that they're going to go hunting at around midnight out in the country. I don't fucking know. It's not doesn't sound like a fun time to me, but this is what they do out there back in the 80s before cell phones. They went hunting. Now, that was the last time anybody ever saw those two boys alive at around four o'clock in the morning. The Union Pacific Railroad comes barreling through. Saline County, Arkansas, and they see two bodies laying on the tracks. Now, the engineers see these two boys. Jimmy, by the way, at any point, if you want to jump in and ask a question, you're more than welcome to. Put your you're on a roll. I'm on a roll. Union Pacific Rail comes barreling through. They see these two boys, and they follow the typical drills. They hit the giant whistle, and they flash the giant light, and they apply the brakes to the train. But trains don't stop on a dime, and they barrel right into these two boys. And right away... When they hit these two boys, right away, the conductors say, these boys have been dead for a while. Now, how do they know that? Well, when you've been on the railroad long enough, you've hit all kinds of things with the train. You've hit live things, you've hit dead things, and you know the difference. Not to get graphic, but there's a difference in how like blood sprays and the sound it makes when it hits. So mm-hmm. right away, these seasoned conductors say these boys have been dead. Well, it stops after another two miles and and runs them over and then goes another two miles before it actually comes to a full stop. These engineers called the paramedics and the county sheriff, Saline County Sheriff. Now, if there are ever two teams, if there are two sides to this conspiracy, I want you people, folks at home to keep in mind, Jim, keep in mind, the county sheriff and the powers that be are on one team, the victims and certain people who are sympathetic to the victims are on the other team. The paramedics show up. Paramedics look at the bodies or what's left of them. They're in pieces. 16, I believe 16 and 17-year-old Kevin Ives and Don Henry look at them and say, oh, yeah, these boys have been dead for a while. Blood is very dark. Skin is very dark. These boys have been dead. Then, who said this? The paramedics? Paramedics. Dead, must have been put on the tracks. Okay, sheriffs show up. They say, okay, well, we're going to ship all the remains to the the, uh, state medical officer. The state medical, I'm not saying it right, the state, the chief medical officer for the state of um, Arkansas because it's on the county level. Okay, ship them off. 
So, enter Fami Malik. Fami Malik is the chief, the state medical examiner. Uh, he's Egyptian. That's where that crazy name comes from. And he decides to uh, he decides <laughs> he decides to do an autopsy. Now, I want you to remember Fami Malik because he's very fucking important to the story. Fami Malik does an autopsy of these two boys and what their remains. And he's a coroner, right? He's the coroner. He's the, he's the state medical examiner, too. Yeah. He's not just a coroner. Okay. He's, he's the guy in charge. He's there a bureaucrat. Are very, there are very few people <laughs> above him in the state of Arkansas. Yeah. So he, uh, he comes to a decision, brings the parents in, and goes, let me tell you what happened to your, to your two boys, Don Henry and Kevin Ives. Um, what happened is they smoke. They smoked way too much weed, and they passed out on the railroad tracks and then the train hit them how much weed did they smoke asked one of the moms well an equivalent of 20 marijuana cigarettes hmm. now this is back in the 80s right this is the height of like drugs are scary stay away from drugs are going to kill we're on drugs yep marijuana is the same as heroin yeah right Kevin Ives' mother, Linda Ives, very important person in this story, immediately says, that sounds like horseshit. First off, can anybody smoke 20 marijuana cigarettes like in a row? Like, is that even possible? One. Yeah, and I don't think that marijuana puts you into a state of like unconscious, you know. I I think you could definitely fall asleep. Who, Who walks into the woods and finds railroad tracks and says, this is where I'm bunking down for the night? After, right. my, after my 20 marijuana cigarettes. She says, I don't think so. She lets it rest for a couple weeks. They bury the boy. She says, no, 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 no. This is the boy's mother, Linda Ives. I can't say her name enough. She goes, no, no, you know what? We're going to dig up the bodies. We're going to get another opinion. Mm. Digs up the body. This is very painful, I'm sure, for him. She digs up the bodies. They dig up the bodies. She talks to Don Henry's parents. They dig up the bodies. They send them to an out-of-state medical examiner in um, Georgia. This out-of-state medical examiner does a thorough autopsy, comes back and says, uh, so here's what I found. Um, They did have marijuana in their system, about one to two joints worth, maybe two, probably one. I also found multiple stab wounds in one of the boys and the other boy had a fracture in his skull that is exactly the same shape as a rifle butt. So, so they, he also immediately left that out from the first one, the Egyptian guy. He also writes, um, Dr. Fami Malik, one of the boys, the one with the rifle, but he said, uh, the guy sawed his skull into pieces for reasons I have no, I do not know why he did it. I'm a med, I'm a coroner myself. I don't know why he did it. So they bring those findings to, to, to Fami Malik and they say, uh, Fami, what, what's, what about this? Did you find stab? What's going on with this? Did you find stab wounds? And Fami Malik says, listen, I stand behind my ruling. And this is his quote. I'm paraphrasing. I stand behind my ruling. Anybody who disagrees with me is racist because I'm Egyptian. <laughs> so... That's his. Man, throwing that's, out the identity politics in the 80s. Bold I move. 
telling you. Now, so what happens next is interesting. A man who used to be the, the state prosecutor named Dan Harmon approaches the family and says, listen, I agree. There's something fishy going on. And I want you to remember that name, Dan Harmon. He goes, there's something fishy going on. I'm going to help you guys out. I'm going to help you out pro bono. We're going we're gonna to get down to the bottom of your boys' this incident. He starts a grand jury. The grand jury conducts a bunch of uh, interviews with witnesses, a bunch of interviews with witnesses. Now it's all sealed. You know, I will get to that, my friend. It's all sealed. You don't know when this is going on. Like you can't sit at the time. You could not sit on it in a a grand jury test. Like you couldn't sit. I think that's still the same way. Right. I mean, I'm no expert, but that's the, the grand jury concept is very unique in that regard. It's weird. Yeah. Because you, it's only certain states have it. Yeah. Yeah. The grand jury reconvenes. I think they take about a year and they say, uh, the two boys, we're going to overturn Fami Malik's ruling that it was a, he said suicide by pretty overdose. much by overdose. Yeah. He said, we're going to overturn it. We're going to say it was a probable homicide. We have no indictments to issue though. Zero. We've conducted all these interviews. We think it's a probable homicide. No indictments. We encourage the county to continue investigating this death. Okay. Let's talk about some of the witnesses. Now, at the time, no one knew who these witnesses were. This came out years later. And I want to talk about just a couple of witnesses. If you if you have a moment, Jim, you got a moment, Jim? I got many moments. Keith McCaskill. He was an informant for the, for the criminal underworld. He owned a bar in Saline County. Um, he was, uh, he was due to be subpoenaed. He was stabbed 113 times in his driveway. Um, shit. They blamed it on his neighbor who was development, who was developmentally delayed. His neighbor was also about a hundred pounds soaking wet. He was 210 pounds and owned a bar. He was stabbed after he was, after the grand jury. Correct. He had called before he was before he was stabbed. He had prepared his own funeral. He knew something was going on. Okay, Greg Collins. Greg Collins was subpoenaed to testify at the grand jury. Um, he was also involved in drugs. So you'll 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 hear a common thing with these witnesses. They're all involved with drug, either very small time drug dealers or drug distributors in Salem County. Okay. Greg Collins. He was found in the middle of the woods with three shotgun wounds to his chest and then one to his face. Guess who shows up to perform the, the autopsy? Fammy, dude. Fammy fucking Malik. Again, I want to emphasize three shotgun wounds to the chest, one to the face. Fammy Malik, suicide. Three to the chest. <laughs> so, yeah. so he shot himself three times in the chest. He said, this isn't fucking working. According to Fanny Malik, I'm going to put this next one in my face. I'm not sure why Fanny Malik is still around at this point. We're going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. Keith Coney. He was also subpoenaed to, to, by the grand jury. He was on his motorcycle one day. 
and uh, the official record said that he crashed. Witnesses say he was ran off the road by another car that was chasing him. And when witnesses came upon him, they saw clearly that his throat was slashed. No autopsy performed on Keith Collins. I wonder if that was Fanny's decision. Okay, Daniel Bairdon. Um, he's a drug dealer. He's called a subpoena. He calls his dad. Um, no, I'm sorry. Somebody calls anonymously and says, Daniel is dead and he's buried somewhere in the river. Uh, he disappeared. No one's ever found him. That's not too exciting. Jeff Rhodes. He's a drug dealer in Salem County. Um, he was scared for his life. He called his father and said he knew a lot about what happened to the two boys on the tracks. Um, he was shot and set on fire. Richard Winters um, cooperated with the grand jury. Uh, he was a suspect for the boys' murders at first. He was also found dead in his home. This one's an interesting one. This is the final one. James Millam. He was a witness the night of the boys on the tracks uh, that were found on the on the tracks. Uh, they found him in his own in his home, sitting in his recliner, decapitated. Guess Damn. who showed? Guess who showed up to do his uh, his autopsy? Pammy. Now, you would think, why the hell are you calling in a coroner? Obviously, the cause of death is decapitation. Fami Malik did not rule that, though. Fami Malik says uh, he died of natural causes. I'm not fucking kidding. Exacerbated by an ulcer. Wait a minute. He died of natural causes exacerbated by an ulcer. And then somebody, I would assume, in the room at the time, turned to Fami and said, Fami, he has no fucking head. But Fami had an answer. He said... um, he has a dog. Obviously, his dog ate his head. Ate his head. Yeah. Right, ate his head, obviously, right? Then they found the guy's head in a dumpster about two weeks later. And they said, Fammy, they found the head in the dumpster. I'm assuming somebody, the family had his morning coffee. And he's like, Fammy, remember that guy you said his dog ate his head? They found the fucking head in a dumpster. And family said, well, yeah, of course. The dog probably regurgitated it back into a dumpster. No, you're you're shitting me. Look it up, man. This now, is like Petey from uh, Dumb and Dumber. Now, what happened to him? His head fell off. <laughs> <laughs> now, what happened? That's the question. I want to make it clear. Linda Ives, Kevin Ives, one of the victim's mother, I mean, this whole time, every time somebody would tell her something, she'd say, I don't fucking believe you. I'll, I'll figure this out myself. You know, this conspiracy could have died if they would have accepted Fami Malik's ruling to begin with, right? Nothing ever would have happened beyond that point. If she hadn't gotten a second opinion from another coroner, nothing would have ever changed. Those two boys, they would have said died of a, of a, of a marijuana overdose. And that yeah. was that. So what did happen? Everything I've told you so far is 100% true. It's on record. Now we're going to dip into what happened, maybe trying to connect the dots. Maybe we're trying to get into conspiracy. <sighs> Remember Dan Harmon, the state prosecutor? Yeah. A witness, a witness came forward who ended up in prison, prosecuted by Dan Harmon, said Dan Harmon was there that night on the tracks supposedly that area of Saline County was an area where they would drop drugs. 
from South America. They would drop them on the track. And in fact, people had called 911 many a times or the police many a times to say, hey, there are planes flying extremely low with their lights off <laughs> through this area right around the <laughs> railroad tracks. <laughs> and those calls were never answered to. Couple, a couple witnesses called and said, we saw Dan Harmon that night on the, on the tracks and that the two boys had come upon something they had, they shouldn't have come upon. Now, what happened between then and there, who knows? There's also another report of a gentleman who worked at a gas station who saw the two boys run up to the gas station, kind of hang out there. And then a cop car pulled up grabbed the two boys and then then ran off and then drove off. One of the boys was described to look like Kevin Ives. Again, this is all here. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, okay. Just just why would you go ahead? One more ahead. one more side note. Dan Harmon, you're thinking, why would Dan Harmon, the chief prosecutor, why would he be involved in the drug trade? No, oh, there's a lot of reasons. Yeah. <clears throat> a few years later he was sentenced to eleven years for drug trafficking. Cool. And also tax evasion. I don't want to, I don't want to, don't want that one. That's also a serious crime. Well, that's just like, America. Yeah, yeah so. just America, right? So it's a very interesting thing. Now, one more side tangent. There's a man named Barry Seal. I don't know if you ever heard of Barry Seal. They made a movie about him starring Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise stars as Barry Seal. Barry Seal was a, was a professional pilot. He served in the, uh, I think he served in the I don't know if it was the Army or the Air Force, but he, he learned to become a pilot before he even served. He was a described, he, a self-described soldier of, for, of fortune. He would sell planes, but if somebody said, hey, can you also run a bunch of cocaine back to the United States? He'd say, yeah, what, what, is it, what does it pay? He had a family. He lived in yeah. the United States. He was a mm -hmm. soldier of fortune. He wanted to make money flying his airplane. Barry Seal had a base of operations in the next county over. Now, Barry Seal did die. Was, he was killed by members of the cartel a couple years prior to the boy's death. However, a lot of people believe that his operation was so large, it continued after his death. Now, to conclude this lovely tale, I want to talk about Fami Malik and Dan Harmon. Fami Malik is obviously an incompetent. Now, Jim, you, you had a quote. Don't, don't, what was your quote about malice and- Don't attribute to malice what can clearly be explained by stupidity or incompetence. Now, Fami Malik, I don't know where he falls, right? Obviously the guy's a, he, and besides these, these terrible rulings he made on these, these um, autopsies, he had other mistakes too a lot of mistakes when it came to medical rulings. There's a, he has a huge history. He was never fired. In fact, he was given a raise at, at a point after the boys were found on the tracks and after he made that ruling about 20 marijuana cigarettes. Dan Harmon was the state medical prosecutor or was the state medical state prosecutor and remained as such and remained in good standing and well standing in the state of Arkansas. So you look at these two guys who hold a lot of power, who are egregiously making these errors, who are corrupt or 
dumb or malicious. And you, you start to think like, is there anyone else above them? Like who's really pulling the strings? Is there, or is it just, is it just a, a loose conglomerate of corrupt officials? There was a freedom of information um, in, in the 2000s. Boy, yeah. there was, yeah. yeah, for the information from the FBI, from this investigation, Linda Ives herself requested it. They submitted her all the files they had. It was all redacted. If you don't know what that means at home, it was all blacked out. You couldn't read any of it. None of it all. So you think like by this time, Dan Harmon's in prison. Fami Malik is no longer working. Who are they trying to protect? Now, there's only one person who can give Fami Malik a raise. If you're the chief medical examiner for the state of Arkansas, there's only one person who can promote you or, you know, keep you on if it best suits their interest. And that would be the governor. Now, Jimmy, I know you know history pretty well. And you want to take any guess on who the governor was in Arkansas in the 80s? Wasn't it Clinton? It was a bad boy, Bill. Who was the? <laughs> who was, who, now remember all those redactions on that on that uh, on that file from the FBI. You wonder if his name at all ever, I don't know, popped up somewhere. You know, but um, God damn, dude. And again, Linda Eyes. Unfortunately, she went to her grave. She died like a, she died recently, like in 2019 or something like that. Unfortunately, she never, she never got to really know what happened to her son. And you got to understand, like, these boys didn't do anything wrong. Like, they were two boys caught up in who knows what. Yeah, they, wrong place, wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time. So, and again, okay. Yeah. Why would man. you, I mean, not, not that you would have the answer to this, but I'm trying to think, like, clearly this was, there's no denying, like, all these witnesses that, which I don't even know what qualified them as witnesses because no one actually saw them. Again, maybe they saw them shortly before they went into the woods or, you know, right. that tomb. But the fact that all the witnesses died in like a pretty, um, a lot of them in like grisly ways. And just like the fact that the boys were stabbed like that makes you think like the confidence level is just like essentially zero. Like if you're right. going to systematically kill, you know, all people, you're going to do it like Epstein style and like say it's like, oh, yeah, he hung himself. Not like I'm going to cut his head off like that. There's no. Yeah. Well, it's universe where that's not foul play. Well, back in the 80s during the marijuana panic, these all these guys were drug dealers, drug dealers, drug pushers. Bar yeah, they were, owners. yeah. These are yeah. people you you could say like, oh, yeah, they, they probably got shot up by some rival dealer. They probably got shot up by a customer. tweaker. Some yeah. Tweaker. Who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, the guy or their uh, dog. I mean, their dog was their dog know. could have fucking ate their fucking head. Just ate well, he died of an ulcer. Let's let's not mess up the let's true. It's not it money was the, the deceased, yeah. Yeah. But folks at home, the meaning of this story and why I bring that that up is one, not a lot of people know about that, but two, it is a very localized conspiracy. And it is a conspiracy that because of the love of a mother, the love of a parent. We have it. And anybody who reads that story, anybody who reads that story says there's definitely some shit going on. 
Nobody thinks that those boys overdosed on marijuana and fell asleep on the tracks. I don't think anybody even thinks that they were shot by some fucking random guy who wanted to run their pockets. Rob them then, or something. And then yeah. dump the bodies yeah. on the track. I think everybody thinks, and there's so much more, folks. I encourage you to look this up. There's so much more to the story I left out. There's so much more. There's there's people buying, there's these two sheriffs who uh, were involved in the killings at um, uh, they were incriminated in a documentary. So they sued saying, Hey, they, they made us sound like we were the killers. And after the trial, the judges say, it sounds like you guys were and did not award any money to them for defamation. I mean, there's all kinds of twists and turns in this. I'm actually reading a book about it, but, uh, I want to hit the point home that, um, These conspiracies oftentimes can start at a local level, especially when it comes to the people involved in them. These guys who are willing to sweep anything under the rug at the deep space level probably started doing it at the local level. Right? And it's yeah. up to us. Yeah. It's up to us to keep our eyes and ears open. And like Tony Soprano once said, and he probably stole this quote from somebody else, he said, uh, Believe half of what you hear and none of what you see. It could be the other way around. Believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. <laughs> I like I like it the first way. But um, yeah, Jim, any 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 final thoughts? No, uh, not on what we discussed. I'm so curious. You know, present day this this quadruple homicide and. and uh, was so, Idaho? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. some shit. And there's They're no, still, they, they still have nothing, nothing, nothing going on. And you, and and well, and the other thing is that the the sheriff's withholding information. So, which yeah, I understand classic. for an investigation, but I'm like, I mean, man, you, they got to be like, I guess you put your trust in them and go. Yeah, yeah it's fucking nuts. But uh, yeah. Folks, go go home, get on the Wikipedia, type in a conspiracy theory. If anything else, it can be a very entertaining read. If you don't believe anything that, that you read or you see, it can at least be a good story. Well, just find that, you know, find that happy balance where you're skeptical of what the experts and the mainstream say, and you're skeptical of what the guy making a YouTube video with no shirt on says, you know. Find and that. Folks, happy balance and take things case by case. And Just I think because you... one thing that the guy uncovered was true. You know, I'm sure Alex Jones has uncovered truth. I'm sure, sure he has. Doesn't mean that everything he uncovers is truthful. And I think, uh, I think if you're an American, it's in our blood. I think the founding fathers were getting taxed without representation. We're like, you know what? I don't have no idea what the fuck's going on over there, over the, over the ocean. I don't think all this, this money's going where it should be going. You know, I, I mistrust what the mm -hmm. powers that be tell me and tell me what's right and what I'm supposed to do. So I think it's uh, I think it's deeply American. And as always, thanks for listening to a tall glass of podcast. Cheers. Cheers. Buddy.